Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amy Debrick, and I have some exciting news to share with all of you. My first book, Embolden, will be releasing on April 24th and is now available for presale at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon. My Emboldened book kind of encapsulates the message we're promoting here on the Life on Purpose podcast this year by using our experiences as an opportunity to either be emboldened or to embolden others. I co-wrote this book with my oldest daughter, Blair, and our hope was that women could find the strength and courage to do that after reading this encouragement journal. And as we keep moving ahead in 2021, I want to remind you that it is only with intention that we make things happen in our life. And with that, I'm happy to keep sharing incredible women with you and what they are doing to embolden their lives and those around them. As always, I hope you find these conversations inspiring and encouraging to know that no matter what your age or circumstance, you have the power and choice to make a difference and to be emboldened. To learn more about how to get a copy of Emboldened, just visit my website at amydebrick.com and get all the latest news and information there. I hope you enjoy these stories and I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, welcome this morning on the Life on Purpose podcast. I am so excited. I've already been talking to you before recording this a little bit with food, food blogger and author of A Table Affair, Abby Turner. So welcome, Abby. I'm so excited to have you today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be a fun, fun conversation. We've already, like you said, been talking. And so this is fun that um, just everyone gets to, to pull up a seat at the table and join the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a, well, first let's just start with the book itself. Just the exterior yeah. is absolutely stunning. The gold little accents around it. I mean, it's just, it's just a beautiful book to, to pick up. And once you open it, it's, it's even better because you did some amazing things in here that I've really not seen combined into one book. And, you know, normally you see the, like, either a tablescape on how we're doing decorating for for food and and company and entertaining, or we're seeing the recipe, um, or we're seeing, you know, a, a, a meal for a specific thing. You did a beautiful job of combining all three together and making it so simple but so um, easy for a new person stepping into entertaining. Um, and again, you and I were talking about young adulthood and all of that. So before we really dive into this book, I want you to give um, the listeners a little bit of background on yourself, how you even came up with doing this. I mean, obviously you had a tabletop affair. So for new listeners, maybe start with that. And, um, and then we're going to dig in. So. Yeah. So food has not always been my forte. It's not what I went to school for. I went to school for marketing and was in, um, in marketing and food marketing and was just on set shooting food with food stylists and photographers, like some of the best photographers in the country. And it was so cool to just sit and learn from them. I think that God put kind of this intentionality on my heart. I wanted to, you know, just share Jesus with them and the way that I was taught and the way that I believe to do that is just join people where they are, what they're doing in that moment. And on set, they're food styling and they're shooting food. And so learning their craft, um, meeting them where they are so that I could, what I thought was 
share Jesus with them. And in turn, Jesus taught me um, about food selling and food photography. And I'm not but you know, a professional by any means, but I started a food blog shortly thereafter because I was posting pictures on Instagram and people were like, can I have that recipe? Can I, I was like, I just don't know that I am that I'm not Rachel Ray. Like you don't want my recipes. And they, they were like, no, 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 we do. And everything was kind of, well, I just kind of took a frozen pizza and put like basil leaves on top, you know, like something so easy. And I just made it look pretty. And so my blog kind of evolved from there and then was approached by Dayspring and was like, Hey, can you write a book for us? And I was like, I, I just don't know that I'm, you know, kind of like that Moses moment of like, right. God, I am not um, equipped to do that. And he was like, no, I've given you um, a heart for food, but I've also given you a heart for the table. And I want you to combine those two because I need people to to get to the table. And as I'm writing the book, as we're going through the, um, the process last year and everything that was going on, I, you know, I'm writing a book, developing a book, publishing a book that is all about coming together (laughs) in groups in a moment where we were not coming together. And I I had no idea what the Lord, it was supposed to come out last fall and then it got pushed to February and then it came out in April and it just, the timing of the Lord in his kindness and his like forethought and his providence, he he knew exactly what he was doing. Things started to open up in April and May and people started hosting um, smaller get togethers, which I don't know um, if any of the listeners have picked up the living table, but the book is all about the small everyday moments. Now there are a couple of tables in there that I talk about the Christmas party or the Galentine's party, but the majority of them are like the game night. They're like the movie night or the, you know, the, the coffee date with just a couple of people. And so um, it really did. God provided in a way that I just am so humbled, but also really excited because people are hungry to come together and hungry for that connection. And that's what the living table, that's what my blog, a tabletop affair on Instagram, that's what it's all about. It's about how do we um, make food more approachable? How do we get out from the kitchen and spend more time with people? And I think we do that by kind of spicing up our store-bought, giving people permission to um, to not start from scratch. <laughs> not yeah. You don't have to be the Food Network chef to to really host people or bring people to the table or feed people. Yeah. Well, I mean, please, you hit on so many points. One being that I don't even remember because I was so excited. And when I was first introducing you and I was talking about your previous, a tabletop affair, that this was actually called the living table. Um, So let's just preface with that. And I do think that there is something to be said, you know, you unpacked a lot there about during quarantine and this coming out and in our household, especially, you know, I have four kids, um, our table, our, our dining table, that's the table. That's where we have the best conversations. That's where, you know, discipline has happened. That's where homework, um, you know, that's just where life happens is at the tables. And, and I feel like that's for most people. And even when we have company come over and we entertain and, you know, I spent hours cleaning the whole house, we all end up in the kitchen and we end up around a table. And I, and I, there's, there's so much warmth and comfort to that. And I think what I love about this book is that 
like you said, it, it takes the intimidating factor off of, well, like you said, you, and, and we, as women, I think do this a little bit more so than men. Anyway, we disqualify ourselves. Um, I think Rachel Ray would, uh, would say, you know, she wasn't a professional, um, chef either, but it's that same idea of just having just enough confidence to say, you know what, I can do that. I can, I can put this out here. I can get a store-bought pizza, put some fresh things on it, spruce it up, display it really fun and, and cute and nice and have people over and they're going to love it. Like you spent all day on it. And it's, it is about the food, but it's more about the community and the fellowship that you really create. And I think you did an amazing job. And so just for everyone listening, um, when you go before you get your copy, if when you look right in the table of contents, because you do have in the very beginning, you have um, you include a hosting handbook, which I think is yeah. really important because already that kind of takes the that intimidating factor off of how do I even start, you know, for, for young adults. I mean, I grew up, like I was telling you earlier in a household where my mom always did everything to the nines. And she still does when we have any type of like family dinner celebration, it's the cloth napkins and it's the salad plate and the salad fork and the, the whole nine yards. But for new generations that maybe haven't experienced that, or maybe their moms didn't do that, and they would still like to entertain and do it in a fun manner where it looks, you know, Instagram pretty or however they want to say it, um, you kind of give them that tool right from the start and you kind of take the guesswork out and that, you know, everything doesn't have to look a certain way and everything doesn't have to be perfect. This is what you just, the basics is what you need. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the point or the purpose that I, you know, what was really on my heart when I was writing the hosting handbook and why I wanted to include it in the introduction is because, um, I, you know, I give probably an eight page introduction to my passion behind the table, but in order to get us to the table, we kind of have to have that confidence. We have to have the pantry, you know, stocked and, and sure. the, and the fridge and the freezer has, you know, food in it. And that's a question I get a lot is, what are those staple items that you have in your, in your pantry or in your fridge? And it varies by season or what kind of, you know, moments I think are going to be happening in the fall. You know, you have a lot of football games and, you know, I live in a college town. And so I have friends that come in for college game. And so if the game is late, I know they're going to be staying over the next morning. So I'm always in the fall, I keep breakfast items in my fridge and in my pantry. I keep, you know, little munchy appetizers in the freezer. Um, so it, it doesn't always have to be, oh, I need to go to the grocery store today because I have guests coming over. No, you know, seasonally, you kind of know how you'll be hosting. And if you're new to hosting or you're new to practicing the discipline of hospitality, then you know, make that a, a mindset of what, what kind of moments am I having right now in the winter? Maybe you have more coffee and in the summer you might have a pool. And so let's always keep fresh fruit. Let's keep punches um, on hand so that we can always have something to serve because food is that conduit to get us to the table so that we can build that connection so that we can have that conversation so that we can grow our community, not only in, you know, with, with people, but in depth of conversation. Right. Well, I think you're right. And I, and I think it is important to just 
have a few staple items, but like you said, even for things that you maybe would have to go, go to the grocery store for, for the fresh fruits or the fresh vegetables in that season, have a couple of things that you're just kind of tucking away that can be stored, put them in your freezer and pull them out when needed. And it's, it creates the same end result and environment than if you had spent, you know, Oh, and instead of having that frazzled, I think that a lot of times cooking, and I'm sure you get this all the time, cooking and entertaining to some people feels extremely overwhelming Yeah, because I think a lot of it is they're not prepared for it. Yeah. Well, and I'm so glad you said that because my, the recipes in the cookbook, the, the one thing that I keep hearing over and over again. Now there are a couple of recipes that are a little bit more complicated than others, but the majority of the recipes are so simple that it's like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that. And once I did the recipe one time, now it's a staple and I can do it without even looking at the recipe. And I love hearing that. Um, My sister loves the Mediterranean chicken and she says she makes it all the time. She doesn't even have to look at the recipe anymore because it's just something she makes every week and she's, it doesn't. And a lot of the recipes, I'm so not a measurer. So creating recipes (laughs) was was like very difficult. So just know that if you're making any of the recipes, if you fudge a little on then, Oh, that looks like half a cup. It's probably a half a cup in Abby's world. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's, there's something to be said for that. Actually, that's so funny. You said that about the Mediterranean chicken. I was trying to find the picture of it because I was telling, I was reading the description to my daughter last night. I'm like, you have to make this. This sounds so good right up our alley. And then what I thought was cute was, well, this is the other thing. I, I think it was just genius is that you divided the, the chapters or sections up into things that really can kind of speak to you for being prepared, like the table that connects, the table that teaches, the table that celebrates, the table that serves. I mean, it's so nice. And then under that, you have those little categories, whether it's like a Galentine's thing or a brunch or something like that. So it really kind of helps take the guesswork out of, well, what should I do for for this type of an event? Or what should I do if my friends might just be coming over for coffee and we're just going to catch up or it's a really great way to, and it's very, it is very simplified. And again, I, th- I think that somebody who does and is a little bit more seasoned in entertaining and cooking does like a little bit more of the complicated. I think that just makes it a little more yeah. challenging and fun for a new recipe. But right. for the most part, I think you could really kind of take any of those simple yeah. things and do whatever you want with them. But you did a good job of making that so easy and accessible and especially categorizing them for someone to really, that really is a huge thing to take the guesswork out of. I don't think people realize that as much like, oh, okay, so I'm having people for like a, you know, over before the kids dance or something. And then it's like, oh, under celebrations here, under, you know, get togethers or whatever, you've already got that covered. Yeah. And every, every small moment, uh, I call them micro moments, but every micro moment that's in the book, every get together has five or six recipes in it that you can make a couple of drinks and uh, little appetizers, maybe a, a, a full dish. Um, but I love food. I love cooking. I, I love, you know, the, the complicated, um, and what is still intimidating to me is opening a cookbook and saying, 
okay, I need a main course and I need an appetizer and I need a side dish and I need a bread and which bread goes with this appetizer and what, you know, and it just gets caught like, and then you have a lot of thought, um, sometimes too much. (laughs) It goes into just, it's not about the perfection of the meal. It's not about all of this preparation. It is about the people. And so if I can help you not only be inspired on what to make, but what type of moment to have, Mm. some people are even lost at that saying, I want people over, but do I just do a a dinner? I don't know that I want to do a full dinner. Well, why don't we, why don't we just start with something simple, like a game night? Why don't we start with something simple, like, you know, bringing people over for coffee, or uh, maybe you have a friend that just had a newborn, like, what do you make for that? Mm -hmm. And so I really tried to take all of the guesswork out. Yeah. Majority of the recipes are 30 minutes or less one pot, easy cleanup. That was the lens that I looked at everything, um, through. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that I empowered people and encouraged people to make stuff starting from something from, from the store. We don't need to start from scratch. We need to start with the hummus and add something to it. Um, the pumpkin hummus by far is like one of my favorite recipes in there. And you start with regular hummus and you add pumpkin and a little bit of chipotle chili and cinnamon. And it's so good. And you would have thought that you ground the chickpeas from scratch. And it's like, nah, you just need to buy that $2 and 98 cent hummus and add some pumpkin to it. And it's so tasty. And people are like, I, I can do this. And it's yeah. like, you can. Well, I think that that, I think that that's the beauty of this book is you're setting people up for success and you're setting them up success in the sense where they feel confident in doing it. And so yeah. I think that that was the really so special that you took the time and intention to make that happen. And, and it definitely did. Um, I'm definitely going to try that pumpkin hummus because that sounds delicious. But the other recipe that we were um, standing out for us was the, um, it was the croissant or no. Yeah. The crescent rolls. And then you layered the thin apple, uh, the honey, I think it was brie, which is one of our favorites. And again, so a little bit of time on top. Yeah. So simple, so simple, but how beautiful, easy, you know, looks like this gourmet. You just picked it up at, you know, Fresh and, what I, and, and what I love about that, I put this in the uh, the hosting handbook. The number one item that is always in my fridge is a crescent roll. I feel like I can do anything with it. As long as I have that, I can make cinnamon rolls. I can do a garlic knot. Like I can make anything with a crescent roll. And so I love taking the crescent roll and cutting them into smaller sections and making them more of a chip. Um, yeah. Because when you make them more of a chip, I mean, you still get that buttery flakiness, but it's not like this you know, it doesn't overpower the, the cheese and and the fruit and and the time. And so it's, it is so good. Yeah. Well, it's bite size. And I think again, when you are new to it and you want to just do, like you said, don't, maybe don't dive into a full dinner, just kind of come over for apps or, you know, something casual like that. Um, so I, I, I love that. I think it was great, but I want to also talk about your connection again, which takes a lot of intention and that I love between, you know, your faith and being around the table. And so I know that that was really important to you growing up. And so how does that really translate or how do you want it to translate to the person who picks this book up and, and utilizes it in their home? Yeah. You know, I grew up 
my family is a family full of hospitality. Like that is our spiritual gift as like a whole. And I have a large family. Um, I mean, there are like 40 of us on a Tuesday night dinner. Like they're just a ton. And we, we love getting together around a table. And we used to have like four long eight foot tables that we would just all eat at together. So just, I love food and I love the table. And um, one thing that, so I grew up thinking or believing, learning that spiritual or hospitality is a spiritual gift. And while that is absolutely true and that is in scripture, I also believe that hospitality is a spiritual discipline that draws us closer to the character of God. And that is something that I have seen, you know, so I, going to college, you kind of lose hospitality because you just don't, that that's not, you don't have a place of your own. It's kind of a dorm room. It's a weird setting. There's not a table, you know, weird. And so coming out of college, I was so lonely. I'm single. And so it was just, it was just a hard time. And my mom said, you need to cook for somebody. And I was like, well, I haven't cooked in probably, I don't know, 20 years and I'm 20. So like, I have never cooked. And uh, so I'm going to order tzatziki's. um, And she was like, no, no, no. There's something about making the food. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to make. So I got on Pinterest and I found a cheesy tortellini recipe and it was just so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> it was like, I, <laughs> I didn't measure and cheese was like over like ratatouille, like cheese was just mm. overflowing out of the crock pot. And I was like, oh, that didn't work. My friend loved it. She thought that it was like the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, it was not, but it, she went to work the next day and was like, we need to do it again and invited people. And I was like, mm. this is not your house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do, but this is not your house. And, um, and so she, she came over uh, the next week and there were a couple of people. So one person turned into three, turned into five. I ended up having a Bible study at my house that, that, wow. and so it just kind of manifest, like I, I saw how God used obedience at the table. Yeah. to flourish conversation and deeper relationships and friendships in a moment where I was ready to throw in the towel and give up and say, God, I don't know what you have planned here, but it is not working out. And God said, no, just meet me at the table. Mm-hmm. And doesn't he say that to us throughout scripture? Right. He says, come to my table. I cannot wait. Jesus says in Luke, I cannot wait. I have not, I, I, I have been waiting, longing to sit and eat at this table with you the night of the last supper. And so it's like, that's, that's Jesus's heart. He wants us to come to the table. And so that little moment was this kind of seed that God planted and just said, I'm going to, I'm going to grow this. I'm going to manifest this because the table is important and I I want people to see it. And so then it just kind of evolved from there. I told you kind of my story of how the table and how my, my, you know, cooking and my blog kind of happened. And it, it is so cool now to see, um, you know, the invitation be expended, extended hospitality is, is hard sometimes in some seasons. And when you extend the invitation to people that are not like you, mm. it's easy to invite your sister over. It's easy to invite your cousins over or your best friends. Right. Um, but sometimes it's hard to invite those people that might not think like us or be like us. Um, they might not like the food you make, <laughs> you know, like, but, but it's, the art of hospitality. It's that, it's that service. It's that bringing people in. I write in the book that the invitation to your table could be someone's invitation to heaven. 
Mm. Like you don't, your job is to bring people to the table and watch what God does because God will always show up when we're obedient. And when we open the door, when we pull out a seat for someone, it's our job to just open the door. And I think that's so cool that, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it several times in, in, in just the last year of bringing people in that might not think like me. We start having this deep conversation about Jesus or friendships or family or church, like you name it, it comes up organically. And that's another, you know, we talked about intimidating factors around bringing people to the table. Sometimes conversation is just hard. It's like, I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know where to take the conversation. And the, you know, the, the tip or the piece of advice I'd give is just start small and let God grow. You don't need to dive in and say, tell me about your heart. (laughs) You know, like, how are you doing? But like, talk about something that you saw in town this week or something you are excited about. Um, Get to know your people on a different level at the table because God's going to take that small seed and he's going to grow it. And I, I think that that's, that, that is when we know that we're practicing a spiritual discipline and getting closer to the character of God. Well, and I think that you're right because I think once you, um, do start those conversations. And, and I, and I love that you kind of touched on that because that is very true, but we are called to do that is not just invite the people that are easy to invite. And, and I don't mean easy, like you wouldn't want to be around them, but where you have a a concern thinking like, gosh, what would I say? What if this comes up? What if that, and it's not really our place other than to welcome them in. But I do think that that's where Um, great conversation and fellowship happens because the table does produce a level of trust. And I mean, you know, you don't typically go and eat at somebody's house, right? If you don't trust them or, you know, you know what I mean? There, there's something about that. And so I, I love that you created that environment and are promoting to create this environment for this book. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to ask you for young adults. Um, and I say that now because I've, I've got three out of four. Um, what would you say is that you find that you hear from young adults or, or any in general, I'm using that age group because that is more of the, I'm just figuring it out age group mode with entertaining that holds them back. What is the intimidating factor? Do you think for them for having people over or cooking or, or any of that? What do you, what do you, I hear most often one, my house is not big enough or I don't have a big enough table. And two, what if they say no, are are they really want going to want to come over? Um, and two, two parts, two questions, uh, one on the, on the side of my house isn't big enough. If I, I write about this in the introduction, um, when I'm going kind of through how my, you know, where I'm at, um, is that if you're always waiting for the husband or the perfect house or the big table or the, the, perfect picture. (laughs) You're never going to get there. Life is always going to be busy. Your house is always going to be a mess. Your table will always have soccer shoes or it will have bills or laundry on it. Like we have, we need to kind of throw off those expectations of what a perfect house or a perfect table look like and say, Nope, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to, I'm going to clear off the table and I'm going to invite somebody in on the flip side. When we hear people say, Oh, well, maybe, maybe they're not going to say yes. Maybe they're going to say no. 
fear of rejection is real people. <laughs> like yeah. I totally get it. We do not like hearing no. Um, but I think that that also comes with knowing your audience. And if they say no, it's not that they don't like you or they don't want to come to your house. There's probably a prior engagement. There's probably something that they are intimidated about maybe coming into your home. Sure. So if, if that's it, then let's, let's go grab coffee somewhere. Let's make it easier to meet the first time. Um, if you're inviting someone new into your house, if it's a Tuesday night and they have three kids and they said, no, well, guess what? It's probably <laughs> baseball and gymnastics and everything right. else. Right. And so meeting people where they're at, but also knowing your audience. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say like, ask three times and then if they say no all three times, then we might have a problem and we need to get to the root of that, <laughs> but continue to ask. Um, right. I think that that, you know, it, we can also pray that God provide divine appointments for us to meet with people and to, to know, you know, God, I, who do I invite? Who needs to be at my table this week? I have a friend that she throws a party. She has a dinner party like once a month and it's always a hodgepodge of people. And she was telling me, how do you invite these random people? And she goes, I just pray about who God wants me to invite that month. And what a way to gather with others. What a way to bring people in just to pray, say, God, I want to have dinner with six people. Who are those six people you want at my table? And it's not always that spontaneous or it's not always that right. planned. Um, but when you hear, no, don't, don't immediately go to rejection. There's got to be some other, other reason and remind yourself, I'm going to meet people where they are. I'm right. going to show up for them. And maybe it's, you need to take, I have one of my very best friends has three boys under 10. And so she is always running wild, but does not cook. And so what do I do if I want to spend time with her? If I want to sit around the table with her and have good conversation, I go to her house and I take mm. dinner. And so I'm teaching her how to cook. I'm teaching her kids how to cook, how right. to set the table. And it's so fun for me as a single person to walk into a, to a family environment because I don't have that family environment where I live. And so I would, you know, for those that are married, don't say, don't write singles off you know, invite mm -hmm. them in, um, because we want to be there. Um, and, and if you're single, don't write married people with kids off because we can all show up for each other in, in different ways. And so, um, if you hear no, don't go to rejection. And if you're intimidated by the size of your house or your table, then pull up a coffee table and get some pillows and sit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just as fun. I think just as so fun. The more casually you make it, I think the less pressure it puts on everybody. But I love that. I think that that is so great. And I, I really appreciate that. I think that there's something to be said for you do have that. I, I think more so when you're younger, I think when you're older, a little bit of that fear can be alleviated, but when you're younger, it's a bit, it is more intimidating. And so I, I, I get that people can really have a struggle with that. Like, gosh, what if they don't come? But you know, on the flip side of that is what if they do come and what if that person has been waiting for an invitation and you don't know it. And yeah. that could be the best highlight to their whole week is just connecting with somebody. And, um, and you know, for you, it was just like, Oh, you know, maybe you're, you're not sure. And all of that. And to them, it's just a gift from God. Yeah. As simple well, as that. When I, when I was struggling in Birmingham and invited my friend over for the first time, it was kind of like, 
I was desiring connection and I was wanting people to, to come and I was wanting community, but I was too nervous and too scared and too intimidated to invite people in. And then, you know, I think we had a conversation maybe when it was a larger group of us and I was like, man, I'm so glad I started this with you because I needed this. And not one of them said, oh, I had too many friends. I didn't (laughs) need this. You know, like we all want connection. That's how God designed us. And so leaning into that, being obedient, opening our homes, sitting at the table with people and just letting God move. There's not a better way to connect with others. I totally agree with you. I'm all about the table. I think Um, For those of you who are listening, I am going to be doing a giveaway when we air this episode of The Living Table. I mean, it is just so stunning. I'm I'm buying a few of them as gifts, but um, it's it's just such a keepsake. And so you can't go wrong with it. But Abby, how can um, listeners connect with you outside of this interview? Is there anything else that you want to share with them that you have maybe coming up regarding The Living Table or anything else? Yeah. So I, um, have a blog and a website over at a tabletopaffair.com and I have a 52 weeks of mastering the kitchen that you can join up and, or join sign up. Um, it's just a newsletter that pops in your inbox every week and just kind of gives you some tips and tricks on how to spice up those store-bought and invite people in and set your table. Um, just a hodgepodge of, of things. I'm also on Instagram and I do a Sunday supper club on Instagram live and it is so fun. Sometimes we walk through recipes that are in the cookbook and sometimes it's, you know, I, I'm doing a pumpkin, you know, something or other, or I can't wait for peppermint. I'm such a peppermint fiend. I love peppermint. And so I have lots of recipes coming up, but I, I, I love that. So join, it's about nine ish is that's what I say. We, I run on Turner time. It's, you know, around <laughs> the time is what we call it. And so yeah, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, a tabletop affair, and then over on a tabletop affair.com, uh, which is so fun. So I hope everyone will join in. That is fun. Now, when you say nine ish, what time zone you're saying central time zone, right? Central time zone. Yes. Central okay. time zone nine ish. And of course it's Instagram live. So it will live on Instagram TV yeah. in perpetuity. Um, but if you want to join in live, it's about nine ish central time. And I usually put a little notification timeline out on Saturday before and kind of give the menu of what we'll be making. And so it's That's fun. so fun. It's so yeah. fun. I love that. I'll have to catch that. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Abby. You are just such a joy to talk to today. And I mean, like I said, this book is amazing. I hope everybody goes out and grabs a copy, get a copy for a friend, maybe that has been intimidated by entertaining or cooking, or that you think could use the connection. I think it's just a wonderful resource in a million different ways. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, this was such a fun conversation. Well, that's it for us today. If you want some additional encouragement and resources, please go to my website at amydebrick.com. I look forward to having you meet me back here next week so we can move ahead with your next steps, feeling more confident and hopeful. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a wonderful weekend and God bless.